glad that he was there. Thank you. Not only was he there, but he still is there. He's an ever-present help in a time of need. I have the sword of the Spirit today and another one, just in case. I appreciate all that God has done. You know, a lot of times what happens is we become like Eve and we allow the enemy to cause us to focus on the one thing that we don't have instead of everything that we do have. So some of the things that have been taken from us in this season of being able to gather the way we would like to gather, do things, but it, it's good just to be able to get together, isn't it? Amen. And we praise God for all that he's doing and the fact that he's moving in ways that we can't even perceive. Did you ever go through something that you felt like, man, this is just horrible and it turned out to be a blessing and you didn't, anybody ever? You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe your car broke down and you thought, oh, this is horrible, this is terrible, and then all of a sudden God gives you a new car. <laughs> as soon as you get it paid for, no. <laughs> it's, I, I'm telling you, God's done things. I, I remember years ago when I had a vehicle and it was a diesel engine and I was coming in, what is it, baby? Okay. Can I take my tie off? Praise God. All right. Okay, thank you. So I, I, had a, I had a car that was a diesel engine, and I was on my, back, my, my way back from Dallas, and I had been in a uh, preaching a camp meeting, and the thing got hot, and the engine fried, and I had to cripple it home, and I found out <laughs> I had to find out. I started to say there's only so much more that can come off here. So, the, so the, the idea that, um, now I forgot where I was. Oh, I was on my, the, the, the car, the, the engine burnt up on that car, and I found out it was going to cost $1,500 to put another engine in. Now, $1,500 then is probably like 3000 now, and it was just, and I, and I remember thinking, man, I can't afford that. And so they were going to try and find a used engine that they could rebuild. And they said that would probably be around $750, which was better, but it was still a big chunk for us at the time. And I remember I was at work and I was just praying. I said, God, I said, you know that I'll use this vehicle for you. I said, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to be picking people up and taking them to church. I said, God, you know that this is for you, and I'm just asking you to please help me. And so what ended up happening was in the next week, they found an engine. They said, we found an engine that we can rebuild, and it's in a junkyard. So I went and got that engine from the junkyard, and it cost $100, and now they're going to have to rebuild it. But a, f a friend of mine was working at the mechanic that I took that car to, and so he was working on my car, and he went through it, and I got a call, and he said, Rick, he said, man, there's nothing wrong with this engine. It just had some stoppage in the oil thing. So they took that engine, put that engine in my car, 
$250 later, I'm driving that car with a, another engine in it and drove, now listen to this, I drove that car for I think like 100,000 miles with that old engine in it and sold it to somebody else and they kept driving it. I'm telling you that God can take what seems to be bad and work it out for good if you let him. Amen? Which today I want to speak to you about, <laughs> you know, technology is wonderful. There we go. Today, I want to speak to you on the victory of value. Would you say that with me? The victory of value. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask you to have your way in the service today, and we give you the thanks and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought, you know, the word value means the rate of worth ascribed to something. So, value actually probably can be said to be in the eye of the beholder, right? Because there are some things that are probably worth more to you than they are to me. But there are other things that, you know, that the desire to have ascribes the value to it. Like, for example, you ladies, you know, when you go shopping and you're looking at dresses, I couldn't give a dime's worth about that dress. Well, I mean, I like it on my wife, but I, I'm not going to wear it. But now... I might see something that I like and I want, and it may not mean anything to Debbie. Let's just take something that we can all relate to. How many of you understand a penny? Anybody got a penny on them? Hold a penny up. If you got a penny, hold it up. My goodness, we need to pray for this congregation. We don't have a penny to our name. Okay. Have you got a penny? Who's got one? Let me borrow your penny. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. A shiny penny. Now, let, how, so how much is this penny worth to you? A penny, right? Of course, a lot of the worth of the penny has to do with the date on it. This one says 2016. You know, there's a penny that was, that was minted in 1943. How many of you remember that? 1943. It's during World War II, and they needed copper for ammunition. And so what they did is in 1943, they minted pennies out of steel. And I've got a set of those steel pennies. What I wish I had was the mistake that they made. Because in San Francisco and Philadelphia, somehow there were about 20 to 40 pennies that got minted in copper. They sold one of those pennies in 1958, and that penny sold for over $40,000. That penny, a 1943 penny, over $40,000. Another one sold in 1996, and those were minted in San Francisco and Philadelphia. It sold for over $82,000. I thought, I'm going to carry a magnet with me, because if I come across a 1943 penny, I'm going to stick it up to that magnet. And if it don't stick, I'm going to shout. <laughs> but then in two, in September, on September 10th, of 2010 in New Jersey. Oh, here's what I forgot to mention. Somehow, one of those pennies, one of those copper pennies got minted in Denver. Just one of them. That's the one that sold September 10th, 
2010 in New Jersey, and they sold it for $1.7 million. One red cent. Everybody say, worth more than a penny. But the truth is, oh, let's talk about, let me show you this stamp. Everybody say it's a red stamp. I don't know why they call it red. It came from Guyana. They sold that stamp for almost nine and a half million dollars. That's a piece of paper that somebody licked on. Almost nine and a half million dollars. Do you understand the only thing that makes that stamp worth anything is somebody's desire to have it? Can I tell you, I have no desire for that stamp. How many of you, when your mail comes in, the first thing you do is cut off the stamp and keep it? What are you going to do if you find out later that that stamp was worth nine and a half million dollars? You see, we don't value it because we don't see value in it. There was a pot, everybody say a pot. This is a porcelain pot. That porcelain pot sold for $12 million. I mean, there's pots all over our house. You know, we got clay pots out of Mexico. We got, you know, pots in, our, in the kitchen. We got pots in the kitchen. I'm thinking, it makes me want to go through and start looking and saying, is there anything worth a grand here or maybe $12 million? You see, we don't ascribe, we don't think it's worth that much because we don't value it. Let me say it to you this way. What's important to you is what brings value to the item. Let me say it again. What's important to you is what gives the item its value. The scripture tells us that there are some things that we ought to value. The Bible tells us that we ought to value a good name. Let me read Proverbs 22 and 1 to you in the Amplified. It says, a good name earned, everybody say earned. See, here's the thing is a lot of folks think they're just supposed to have a good name. You don't just get honor, you earn honor. Everybody say, you have to earn it. You have to work for it. The scripture says, a good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. Do you know that there was a time, I don't know if they still do it now, but there was a time that you could just go into a bank. I remember the time I could go into a bank and get a loan just on my name. Just because I had a good track record. Everybody say a good track record. It wasn't because I had a lot of money. If I'd had a lot of money, I wouldn't have been going in for a loan. But sometimes your name, well, according to Scripture, your name is a valuable commodity. Let me... I want to say a couple names, and you tell me what comes to mind when I say that name. Would you do that for me? So here's the first name, Bozo. 
clown. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, oh, they're a real bozo? How about this one? Hitler. You think of evil. So those names, not even knowing the person. How many of you ever met Hitler personally? How many of you ever met Bozo the Clown personally? I used to watch him on WGN television, but I never got to meet him. I always wanted to go to the Bozo Circus. It was on the air every day as a kid. I never, but now when you say those names, they're synonymous with certain things and attributes. So the scripture says that we ought to value a good name. It also says we ought to value a friend. How many of you have a friend that you place high value on? You know what I'm talking about? The, the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let me read you what, what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says about a friend. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A friend. How many of you have got a friend that you know that no matter what time of day or night, if you got in trouble, you could call them and they would come? If, if you've got a friend like that, hold that hand up. Uh, now, I want to ask another question. How many of you have a friend that it's just all a one-sided friendship and it's all about if they ever need help, they want you there, but if you need help, they, they tend to be absent. So we've all experienced that, haven't we? I saw two hands go up in the back. I hope, I hope there was no fingers being pointed. But. So a friend is a valuable commodity. I had a friend that I grew up with. He was like a brother to me. We, we fought, man, like I hadn't seen him in years. And, and I went to go see him, and his, his mother had passed, and I went to go see him, and I was at his mother's funeral. And he came up to me, and he hugged me, which was so out of character for him. But he hugged me. He sends me a Christmas card every year. I went to see him several years before that just to talk to him about his soul because he was a friend. I wanted to make sure that he knew that Jesus was there to save him, a friend. You see, if you value a friend, you want to make sure that friend knows about God, right? You want to make sure that they know that there's a God that loves them and wants to rescue them. The Scripture tells us that we ought to value godly wisdom. It says in Proverbs 8 and 11, For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Making the right decision at the right time can be worth a lot more than riches. There's a young man, his name was Solomon. He was going to take over for the greatest king that Israel had ever known. It was his father, David. And when he has a dream, in the dream, God asks him, what's he want? And he doesn't ask for riches, and he doesn't ask for the, his enemy. He, he doesn't ask for fame, 
But he humbled himself and he asked for what was valuable to him. And he said, God, that you would give me wisdom that I can lead your people because I'm a child and I don't know how to go in or out from among them. God, you please give me wisdom. And, and God heard that prayer. And when God heard that prayer, he told him, because you didn't ask for riches and you didn't ask for fame and you didn't ask for your enemy, but you asked for wisdom, he said, not only am I going to cause you to be the wisest king that ever lived, but I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you honor. And I'm going to give you your enemy. When we value the right thing, it brings everything else to us. So the scripture said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. But we get it so mixed up, we end up seeking after all sorts of things instead of him, and it's him that we need all along. Everybody say value. How many of you value, when we talked about valuing a, or a good name, how many of you value a word that you can trust. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to respond with your hands up, but is there somebody that you know that if they tell you, if they give you their word that they're going to do something, you don't even think about it a second time because you know it's going to get done. Have you got someone like that in your life? If you do, that's, that, that's a wonderful gift. How many of you have someone in your life that when they give you their word, it goes in one ear and out the other because they never follow through with anything? Boy, there's a whole lot more waving going on on that one. So it lets you know how valuable somebody's faithful word is. Oh, it doesn't get any more faithful than this right here, folks. We need to value God's word. This is what Psalms 119 and 72 says. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. It's worth more than all that wealth. Your instruction to me. When I thought about value and the way we ascribe worth to things, I thought about a man in Scripture, and he risks everything. He puts his life in jeopardy over something that most of us wouldn't consider very valuable at all. Let me read his story to you. It says, this is in 2 Samuel 23, verse 11 and 12. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. I, I, I tried to get a mental picture of this. This guy squares off with an army. Everybody else has run, and he went and steps in the middle of a bean patch. And says, you're going to have to get through me to take these beans. And I thought about that. Why would he risk his life for that? I mean, how many of you would square off? with? If somebody showed up in your garden with a shotgun 
and was picking your tomatoes, how many of you'd run out there and square off with them to defend your tomato patch? Risk your life to defend your tomato patch. You better back up or I'm going to let you have it. And you do, those are my tomatoes. No, man, you'd be calling the police. There's a guy out here picking tomatoes, man, with a shotgun. I, I would have given him some tomatoes if he'd ask. But do you understand that there's more at stake here than beans? Shama's name has a unique meaning because Shama's name in Hebrew means to stun or devastate. Astonishment, a wonderful thing. Can you imagine what the Philistine army thought when all of a sudden this guy jumps up in the middle of that bean patch, raises a sword, and says, all right, before you get my beans, you're going to have to come through me. They probably laughed him off until he started dropping them all over that field. And then they took off the other way. Why? Because they didn't value that bean patch that much. But Shama is fighting for more. They are stunned by him. They're devastated by him. They are astonished by him. And it's a wonderful thing. What are you talking about? When all of a sudden you make up your mind that you're done running and you're going to stand your ground and say, God, God, this is my family. That bean patch represented his ability to feed his family. And he's saying, you are not going to rob me of my family. You're not going to rob me of the promise of God. I'm going to stand my ground and declare that his word is truth. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. It didn't mean that much to them, but it meant everything to him value the victory of value he stood in that bean patch and it said and the Lord brought a great victory do you know when your victory comes it's when you quit running when your victory comes it's when you get a backbone instead of a wishbone when your victory comes, it's when you finally stand up and say, God, here I am, use me. I'm not running, I'm not giving up, I'm not quitting, I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to stand on the promise of your word. Everybody say it with me. I value my family. He was fighting more than for just his family. He was fighting for the family of Israel. What do you value today? What's important to you? How about your salvation? Esau didn't value his inheritance very much, his birthright. See, the Bible said that we must be born again. And so that ought to be something of great value to us. But Esau sells out for a bowl of soup. What do you value? Do, do you value the freedom that God gave you when he saved you? Do you now how many of you ever had some stuff hanging on to you that didn't want to let go? 
Come on, wave your hand at me if you're out there. You know what I'm talking about. It, oh, it doesn't always have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It may be a lousy attitude. It may be that, that, you, know, that, that you, you, know, you just have a problem telling the truth. It may be that you've got anger issues and you're always mad. And yet when God came in, he just, I talked about it the other day with a man that we were preaching in Lone Oak, Arkansas. And this guy was big. His name was Sammy Langdon. Sammy was, a, he was just like a gentle giant, man. Big old hands on him. They said that when he was in the world, that he was a rouser. He, they called in seven police officers to have to apprehend him, and he was throwing them out of the bar he was in. And it took seven of them to finally get him down. You'd never tell it by looking at Sammy today. Got a big smile on his face, and He's such a soft-spoken guy. But you understand that when God saved him, he freed him. Everybody say, I'm free. I thought about how we need to fight for our healing. How many of you have ever been healed and then all of a sudden it tried to come back up on you? You know what I'm talking about? Now, we know that we've only got human bodies, right? But we know that God is not limited to our human bodies, that he can touch us, that he can heal us. I thought about Abraham fighting for his family. You'd have never heard about Lot if it hadn't been the fact that Sodom and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah had been taken captive and they took Lot with them. And Abraham took his men and went after his family. Do you understand that some things are worth fighting for? I was, I, I, I'm amazed at what's going on in the world today around us. There are people in the streets that are, that, it's one thing to have a peaceful protest, but man, when you start throwing water bottles that you froze and make an ice out of, and, and, and you're trying to destroy property and burn everything, and I'm thinking, do you even know what you're fighting for? Most of these folks don't even have a clue. If you get them aside and you start trying to interview them, there's no logic to what they're saying. There's just a lot of anger. Everybody say, we need deliverance. We need to value those things that are important, something that makes a difference. And you say, well, when Shama fought, he was fighting not just for himself, but he was fighting for the family of God. Let me share something interesting with you. In Arlington Cemetery, there's a place called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. The guys that guard that don't know him. The bodies that are in there are unidentifiable. But they're serious about their job. Since April of 1948, there has not been one second of one day that that tomb has not been guarded. Those men have stood in hurricanes guarding that tomb. They've marched in snow two foot deep guarding that tomb. Why? 
because it has value to them. It has value to this nation. It's this nation's way of saying that not one son, not one daughter that fought and died for this nation will ever be forgotten. God help us to get something in our hearts that gives us a value that's worth more than something I feel now, something I touch now. Give me something that'll cause me to stand in the gap when hell is raging and say I am not giving in. I'm going to declare his word no matter what it takes. Value. We are losing our values. Our moral compass is broken. We can't tell right from wrong. This is the only thing that you can depend on. His word is my true north. It'll never point in an opposite direction that I need to go. If this is your compass, then you're going to find your way home. Let me share a story with you of a a man lived at the turn of last century, and he was a wealthy art collector. He had amassed a fortune in not just monetary gain, but in art. He had masterpieces all through his home. One day, his son came to him. World War I broke out. His son came to him and he said, Dad, he said, I have to join the army. And his father looked at him and said, Son, with my money and influence, you'll never have to go to war. And the boy looked at his dad and he said, Dad, you don't understand. I love this country and I want to fight for it. I thought about that, how some people don't understand our values. That they don't understand why it can't just be anything goes. They don't get why we live the way we live. But there are some things still worth fighting for. So his boy and the father had a little bit of a tiff and they argued back and forth and finally his father realized I'm not changing his mind. He went to the train station to see him off with a lump in his throat and a tear in his eye. Thinking, I, I need my boy. All of his money didn't really mean much now. All those paintings didn't mean much to him now. He just wanted his boy. Eighteen months later, the War Department showed up at that man's door with a uniformed officer and a letter. He said, sir, he said... You can be proud of your son. He died defending his country. The man was devastated. The artwork meant nothing. It seemed like life meant nothing. And it, he got into a fog, and it just seemed like one day blurred into another. And as time passed by, the war ended. Six months after the war was over, another knock came on that man's door. And when he opened it, there was a young man standing outside, and under his arm, he carried a, por a, a painting, but it was draped with cloth. And he said, what can I 
do for you? What, what do you want? And he looked at him and he said, sir, he said, I, I know you don't know me, but I knew your son. I was with him the day he died. He immediately brought the man inside his house and set him down. He said, tell me about my boy. And he told about his bravery and he told about how he fought and how he had rescued others. And, and then he said, what really brought me here today is I, he talked about you all the time and I knew how much he loved you and I just wanted to bring you something. And he got up and he took the cloth off the painting and it was a portrait of his boy. He said, I'm a painter. He said, I'm not a very good one. He said, but I was with him that day and this is what he looked like that day before we went to battle and it was a little crude but it bare a remarkable resemblance to his son and he said I thought you might like to have this and the father embraced the young man and he took the portrait and he put it on a prominent display and that became his most prized possession he would see that portrait every day and think of his son, and he valued it. Years passed by, and the man died. Letters started going out to art collectors all around the world that there was going to be an art auction at the liquidation of this estate. And they came in groves with money in hand for a chance to bid on one of the master's. This man possessed portraits that da Vinci had painted. He had paintings from Rembrandt. And they all crowded in with a hope that they might glimpse one of them and looking beforehand. And they saw Monet on display. He had Van Gogh's paintings. And they all with bated breath anticipated as they saw the auctioneer come out and they walked to the front and he brought the gavel down and he said, this auction will now begin. You could feel the electricity in the room, but then he motioned to one of the handlers and the handler came forward with a portrait that was draped in cloth on an easel and he set it down he said we're going to begin the auction with this painting and when he motioned to the man the man pulled back the cloth and revealed the portrait of the man's son and all the collectors started to laugh there was just a chuckle that rose up in the room and they thought you know this is a joke you know and then all of a sudden the auctioneer was persistent. He said, what are my bids? And that laughter turned into murmuring and anger as all of a sudden collectors started saying, are you serious? We didn't come here to bid on that junk. We came for the masterpieces. I'm not paying for that. Let's go. Let's, let's get on with the auction. And he was adamant and he would not budge. And finally, the man's housekeeper came forward and she said, I'll give $50 for that painting. She didn't have much money, but she loved that boy. So she bid all she could. She said, I'll give 50. The auctioneer said, I have a bid of $50. Is there any more? No one spoke. He said, $50 going once, 
$50 going twice, $50 sold. He brought the gavel down, and everybody applauded, and they said, okay, now let's go. Let's get on with the auction. And all of a sudden, the auctioneer grabbed up his portfolio and started folding it up, put it in his case, and put it under his arm and started to walk off the platform. They started hollering, wait, where are you going? We're ready to bid now. We've got our money. Bring out the masterpieces. And he said, this auction is officially closed because it was written in the will that whoever takes the sun takes it all. Can I tell you that there is another auction or not an auction? Well, there is an auction and the devil's trying to outbid us. Do you understand that God has already ordained that whoever takes the son, whoever says yes to Jesus, whoever embraces him, whoever kneels before him and repents and says, God, save my life, my friend, they get it all. They get it all. A joint heir with Christ. So I'm going to stand right in the middle of my bean patch. And it may not mean much to you, but it means everything to me. And you may not understand the why or the how or the when, but one day he saved my life. One day he rescued me. And I am not giving up on him now. Would you stand with me? So let me ask you a question today. What is it? you value? What is it you ascribe worth to? If it's your youth, take it from someone that's been there. That's going to pass. I'm not as young as I used to be, but I still go like I used to go. So what are you talking about? Oh man, I get up every day and just charge out into it. Sometimes I wonder when Debbie and I are walking through the country, we walk five miles. Last week we were walking five miles and it was 87 degrees, but the heat index was 97 and it was real humid. And it crossed my mind as we were walking what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? My shirt was soaked through. I mean, I could have, I, I told Debbie, I said, put your arm on my back. She, ooh. I was soaked through. But you know why we do that? Because we value health. Once you get my age, when you turn 39, you've got to start. <laughs> then we were almost back. I was about a half a mile from the house, and a guy, a neighbor guy came out. What's his name again? I forgot. Huh? Lee. Lee, Lee come running out of the house, and he stood out there, and, and I thought, oh, you know, and we went and started talking. And, and hey, Lee's a great guy, and, you know, and I like him and everything. But, man, I was thirsty out of my mind. And we're talking about him. He's got a dog came out, and that dog's grown up, and it's cute. We're talking about everything, and I keep doing this. You know, and then I have to walk back over, you know, because Debbie's going to visit. And, and then I, I'm walking back like this, and I'm, I'm trying to get her to get the hint. 
And all of a sudden, Lee did something that caught my attention. Lee did something that made me stop trying to leave, and I walked right back up there to where he was at. He looked at me and he said, could you use a cold bottle of water? You're my friend for life. He brought that water, what, because I valued that. I'm telling you, when he brought that water out there, I never anticipated something so much. I turned that thing up and... He made a mistake because he said, look, anytime you're out here walking like this, my garage is open, that refrigerator's full of water, you just help yourself. I thought I might have to bring him a case every once in a while, but I'm not going to live without something I know that I've been promised, and all I have to do to get it is reach for it. Oh, I hope you caught that. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You've got a promise, friend. You've got a promise that he said, let me put it to you this way. God loves you so much, he'd rather die for you than to live without you. And now he said, whosoever will, let him come. So that's where I'm at right now, whosoever will. If you're in this place and you want to make that commitment to him, as the prayer team comes right now, you want to make that commitment to him, I want you to step out of where you're at and come and make that commitment. Stretch your hands to heaven. Tell me your name. Lacey? Lindsay. Lindsay stretches her hands to heaven. Come on, girls. Come on in here. Lindsay, today we're going to pray for you, and I got some good news for you. Your eternal destination is changing today. Think about that. Man, that's huge. The devil thought he had you. He thought you were going down, and he's about to have his nervous breakdown because he knows that God's reaching out his hand, and you're taking hold of it right now. Just stretch those hands to heaven with me. Just pray this prayer with me, Lindsay. Jesus, here I am. I accept you as Lord of my life. I repent of all my sin, and I receive you into my heart in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing in Lindsay. God, that old things are passing away and everything has become new. Thank you, Lord, that she's covered in your blood. That God, the devil doesn't have access to her anymore. He's got no right to her because you stood in the middle of our being patch and you defended it. Thank you, Father. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on and love him with me, Lindsay. I praise you for it. I praise you for it right now. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Oh, he's worthy. Look, can I share something with you? Do you understand how big that is, how huge that is? Everybody, you know, oh, everybody gets excited if somebody gets healed. You can get healed and go to hell. But let me tell you something. When you give your heart to God, it doesn't matter what the devil does. you got a ticket taking you to heaven. So how about it? Anybody in here? Maybe you're just not sure. 
Maybe you're saying, look, pastor, I, I mean, you know, I love God and it's not like I'm trying to run away from him, but I haven't quite made that commitment yet. Now's a good time to do it. It's kind of like, well, maybe I ought not use that as an illustration. I started to say, well, so she's pointing at you and you're looking at her. How about we just do it together? Is that all right? So tell me your name again. Robin. You know, Robin showed up the last uh, few times and she's been in uh, the youth. And, and one thing I noticed about Robin, she's always, she kind of smile on her face. And she's, she seems, she seems, you know, anxious to, you know, to join right in. And that's a great thing, Robin, because God can use that. You love him, don't you? Man, he loves you like you can't believe. So this is all I'm going to ask you to do today. We're going to do it together, okay? We're just raising our hands and we're saying, Lord, here I am. Can you do it with me? Here I am. That's it. Just say it with me. Here I am. I want to thank you, God, for keeping your hand on me, for watching over me, for caring for me when sometimes I didn't care. And I'm just asking you today to come into my heart. I repent of my sin. I, I ask you to forgive me for that. And I step towards you today, God. I believe that Jesus gave his life for me. And so today, I say yes. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus. Yes. And I'm asking you to be with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Presence, your presence. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. Now, when nobody else is around, and when you're all by yourself, like tonight, when you're getting ready to lay down, you take time and just talk to him like you would a friend from I your want heart. You to know and as you talk to him, you open up to him. There's a way to hear every word you say. Your presence is an open door. So come down like never Come on, give my hand clap and praise in this house. So See, here's the deal that sometimes we, I mean, how many of you, let's be honest with each other. How many of you gave your heart to God at one time, but then you started drifting, you know, and you just kind of got a little indifferent, a little cold. You know what? It's, it's always a good time. Well, what time? Like the present to say, God, I recommit myself to you. I want to do that right now. And I want to let you know that I value what you did for me at Calvary's cross. Can we do that together? You can do that right from where you're standing today. Just stretch those hands to heaven and say it, say it with me. Father, I want you to know I'm sorry for the times I've taken you for granted. And today, I want you to know 
I am so thankful for what you've done for me. Jesus, I value what you did for me at Calvary. And I give you praise for it. And right here and now, I declare that I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. Sing it. I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle.